0: Welcome to the You're Not Alone podcast. Where freedom, health, and wholeness is our mission. In each episode, we will expose the lie that you're alone in your struggles and your pain. We share truth through our stories using the power of vulnerability and honesty. Empowering you to live the life you are destined to live. Well, welcome back to You're Not Alone. I am your host, Chris Richardson. I am here today with Caleb Musafiri. Caleb,
1: Mm. how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Man,
0: I'm excited to be here with you today.
1: Yeah, I'm excited that I'm here, actually.
0: <laughs> so, you know what? Caleb is actually, he is a regular on this podcast. Mm-hmm. He is uh, uh, has been helping me, um, is going to continue helping me to develop this. You know, sometimes it's going to be Jamie and I. Sometimes it's going to be me and somebody else. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's going to be Jamie and somebody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the main somebody else's. That you're going to get to hear from is my buddy, Caleb. Yes. And uh, Caleb is an uh, amazing, powerhouse uh, human being. He has anointing. He has an, a calling. Uh, Caleb and I actually are part of the same ministry school, BSSM, here in Reading. And uh, the Lord, in his infinite wisdom and mercy, put us <laughs> in the same group.
1: Wisdom in mercy, I love that. <laughs> and
0: you know what? He was the i I'll honestly say is that uh his influence in my life has been has been amazing. That uh he's half my age. If you haven't guessed from, from his sweet accent, he's not <laughs> from the from America. No I'm not. Caleb is from the Congo. Where in the where in the Congo where are you from?
1: I'm from a, a town called Lubumbashi. It's uh it's one of the The main, the main towns, the main cities in the one, the main
0: cities, yeah. And uh, you know, Caleb has, like I was saying before, he had a huge impact. He is probably half, half my age, almost. Yeah, almost. Yeah, Yeah. and from you know, so early on, um, when I first had when we had first decided to, to move to Reading, to, to leave our church and to move to Reading, um, there was a Facebook page that was started because we're part of the same small group. Mm-hmm. And I remember scrolling through there one day and his face popped up. And, and the Lord spoke to me and says, this guy is going to be an important person in your life. And I'm sitting there going, this guy like like he's from the congo he's from (laughs) africa he's half my age and i'm like oh i'm like i'm just making this up (laughs) and uh for me, I don't know about for for you, but for me, it was kind of almost friendship at mm. first sight. And uh, we, part of our program, we went to a the, a ropes course, this team building thing, and they break us up into groups of probably six or seven. Yeah. And Caleb and I got stuck in the same group. <laughs> and um, yeah. It it really, it really changed my life. So impactful. I remember I came down off of this, you know, 100 and 200 foot uh, mm-hmm. zip line. Mm-hmm. And I'm spinning and he's down there and he catches me. And I remember <laughs> this moment when he grabs onto me and I kind of, because I'm a big guy and I come hauling off of that thing and, <laughs> and Caleb grabs onto me and kind of grabs me by the shoulders. And I just look at him and I'm like... I love you, man. Mm. And that was a miracle. (laughs) It was. I was in rough shape. Yeah. And uh, so, Caleb, you have a powerful story Mm -hmm. of your journey to freedom. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I do have a powerful story. Um, My story is a story of uh, a young boy who got set free from orphan spirits, who got healed from a lot of daddy issues, set free from porn addiction, and... Same-sex attraction as well. So, yeah, that's a huge testimony, I think.
0: And I think it's a testimony that really resonates with people. Mm -hmm. Is especially in this day and age where kind of anything and everything goes. Yeah. And you to have the courage, because this isn't something that we necessarily talk about in the church. No, it's a very taboo subject. Is that that we we will rant and rave against how bad and wrong things are. Mm Mm-hmm. But so many times we struggle with different things, and we just don't let those out.
1: Yeah, I think it's not just even the church; it's just uh, even from the culture I come from, it's something that it's not really talked about at all.
0: So the Congo culture, the Congolese culture, is is more appearance
1: based, or yeah, it's more appearance based. It's like we don't care what you're dealing with; we care what you look like. Wow, so yeah. you grew up with that pressure, yes, I grew up with that
0: pressure wow so tell so you were born in 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 the late nineties mm-hmm. and you were born kind of during the coup, right? yeah, so tell us about that,
1: yeah, I was born uh during a coup, actually, there was a coup happening in my country at that time, civil war, pretty much yeah, yeah. there was yeah. One, one guy who was trying to take the presidency from someone else, so mm-hmm. uh so there was a lot but there was a war happening. And yeah, I was born that, uh, during that time, my mom gave birth to me, and as she was doing it, there was gunshots, that, like she was in the de- delivering room, she was hearing gunshots and everything. And it was very unsafe for her to be in the hospital, so she gave she gave birth to me on the 8th, and then on the 9th, the doctor sent her home, because it was not safe, so. Yeah, that and was. You come from a large
0: family, and I do come from a large family. So now, when we say large family in American, we're thinking oh, four or five kids. Mm-hmm. No, it's a whole different story. How a many, different how story? many uh, uh, siblings do you have?
1: Uh, I grew up with eight siblings. Yeah. Actually, no, I grew up with nine siblings. Yeah, uh, but I have sixteen siblings in total. Sixteen. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's a that's a large family, and my dad's side has a large family too. My mom's side as well has a large. And family.
0: And you grew up in a Christian home.
1: Yes. I grew up in the Christian home. Yeah. And uh, mom and dad? Uh, I, well, mom for sure, because again, I grew up with her, so I, I watched her love the Lord. Oh, tell us about that. Yeah, uh, yeah, my mom was a lover of the Lord since, uh, since I can remember. Uh, uh-huh. So I loved watching her read her Bible, minister to people at home, being generous to the, to the neighbor when they didn't have food and everything. So I watched her love the Lord, and I learned from her, seeing her do that. So, yeah, and she will always, like, push us to go to church. Hmm. So, I watch... Loving the Lord by watching her. Love the See, Lord. See, and
0: that's something that I think you really carry. Mm. It's like you like you you are I've heard you preach. You're a great preacher. <laughs> You're a great worship leader. But like when I get around you, it's that love that the, mm-hmm. that I feel from you. And you are so good at including people into loving people, discipling people. Mm. Like you disciple people just by standing next to them. I mean like <laughs> even me, it's like like I'm twice your age and I've learned so much from you and i just you know i sit back going okay if mm. i could be like somebody caleb would be a good role model
1: so <laughs> well, you got you. so
0: you got that so that's kind of a generational thing that you got from mom
1: yes i, I get it from mom I, I wouldn't say generational thing i would say mom was the pioneer mom was then, yeah ah nice yeah because yeah i don't well well it's a generational thing now it's a generational because your yeah. kids i can my wait, kids gonna carry on like yeah.
0: you're amazing i can't wait to see your kids
1: <laughs> oh yeah there's my ceiling would be their floor. Come on. <laughs> so yeah, I grew up in that in that household where I loved the Lord since a young age and everything. And uh, yeah,
0: that's me. <laughs> so, but so now, tell us about your relationship with your dad then.
1: Yeah. Um, so I I know my dad. He was always a good provider for school. He had a great value for school. So in that area, he always provided and everything. Uh, but I was. Uh, I was one of the boys that longed a uh, relationship with, like emotional relationship with my dad, and I didn't realize it until I was five. And that's when I realized his absence in yeah. my life, where he, I'll always I'll only see him once uh, a day at night when he comes home from work and everything. So he was very distant, and then, uh, and then at one point I wouldn't see him for months at all. So my relationship with my dad is a very, we still have a relationship today, but, uh, I longed for and a that, healthy relationship with dad.
0: And that can yeah. affect your relationship with, with your heavenly father.
1: Oh yeah, he de- it really did. It yeah. really did. It affected the way I saw myself from a young really? age. Yeah.
0: So identity became came an issue early mm-hmm. on.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think that's why uh, it's very important for fathers to be present in their children's life. Not just provide, but be present. Yeah. Because that was, that was the root of my issues in my life. That was the root of a lot of brokenness that I dealt with. Yeah, I grew up in a in a Christian home but there was stuff that was engendered by the fact that my dad was not there.
0: So how did the so you started to have some identity issues? Mm-hmm. So how how did those begin to manifest and at what age?
1: Uh around 5, around 5 that's when I started longing for that. I started longing for a dad. I started longing cuz even right now I don't remember Because, you know, you see a lot of videos online where, like, dad are playing with the kids and everything. I don't have a memory of that, Mm. you know. I don't have a memory of, you know, just jumping on my dad. I don't have that at all. I have that with my mom. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a memory of her telling her, I, I love you, you know. But I don't have that with my dad. Yeah. You know. So, that affected me because, you know, sons look up to their fathers. Yeah, and not having that, not having a dad calling forth your identity, so you start questioning. Oh, is he not here because of me? You know, am I not lovable? You know, so those questions, those lies, start coming up at a young age. Yeah, while well, question, why is he not? You know, and um, I think that started to manifest when uh, when my dad uh, moved into a different woman and start living there with her kids and had kids with her wow. and that's when i was like oh he didn't want me he wanted them
0: so rejection just right off the bat
1: yeah rejection just right off the bat and uh so how did that affect your relationship with with even other men because um, for me when that happened i was like okay men cannot be trusted men are very they're they're liars they don't hold hold on to their promises and they can't be trusted. Wow. So I cling on to my mom because she was always there. I was like, oh, she's constant. She's there. You could depend on her. Yeah, I could depend on her, but I couldn't depend on Matt. Although I grew up with a lot of siblings, I grew up with eight, eight brothers. Uh, but I, I didn't trust Matt at all. So did you feel like
0: you fit in in your family with
1: your brothers? No. How I come? did not. Um, because they were very into stuff that I wasn't into. I loved spending time in the kitchen with my mom. They didn't. Mm-hmm. You know, they loved sport, I hate sports. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they they love Jesus. They they do love Jesus, but I I was always the one who loved going to church. Yeah. They didn't, you know. I'm my mom's boy and I don't apologize for it and I love it. No. You know, I, uh, I'm the same. Maybe that's part of the
0: reason why we're, we're such good friends. Is probably. like <laughs> like our stories are so similar, but I'm the same way. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, I when I played sports and stuff like that, I didn't play them because I enjoyed them. Yeah. I played them because of the time that I grew up in. Yeah. You just had to. Mm-hmm. And you just never fit in. Yeah. You know, and well, yeah. instead of following my heart, and doing things I really wanted to do, I kind of got forced into these other things. Exactly. That's so hard to grow up that oh, way. Oh, yeah, it is. It is. So if you're listening to this, <laughs> Do what you want to do. Yeah, it well, is don't sin okay. while you're doing it. But you know what? Follow what's in your heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what? It's okay to, to all these different things. You know, if, you know. Yeah. And if you look at like we're manly men, <laughs> we really are. But I could care less about the su- the re- reason I watch the Super Bowl yeah. is for the food. Me too, and the commercials.
1: Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I could even tell you who played last year. Who's going to play? I just don't care. I could care less. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. That was me. And I've I learned to cook at eight. I was eight years old when i started cooking thank you jesus so i loved doing that that was that was where i spent most of the time yeah and everything and uh and i was very emotional i was i'm a very sensitive emotional man mm-hmm. and that's that's okay again you are good if you if you're, you're yeah. emotional that's great yeah and i think that's
0: something that we do have in common is mm-hmm. that, that like we get it like we get in a certain point like i could look over and i could see a tear <laughs> I'm like going, yeah. I like finally somebody understands because I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. It's like you yeah. know, but I think that's a healthy thing to be able to realize and to be able to embrace because God created us that way and yeah. He created us to have mm-hmm. emotions.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. So yeah, I never, I, I always felt like the black sheep of the family, and not because my siblings were. I love my siblings. Yeah, they're amazing. It was just when you don't have that person of authority calling. The, the identity you didn't you. have a dad to yeah. speak forth
0: mm-hmm. and to call those things yeah. out and to encourage you exactly you know that
1: yeah i didn't have that person who actually gave me permission to be hey it's okay to feel that way
0: you know parents you know. really and I and and especially fathers in men mm-hmm. in boys confirm identity
1: exactly and
0: when you end up missing that, it ends mm-hmm. up having you search for those things, or like you said earlier, yeah. it kind of brought so there's kind of this fear mm-hmm. of of men yeah and that fear of rejection
1: mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know yeah there was that that's why i I start pivoting to the person who was constant, my mom yeah. and everything and the rejection started when i remember one time i was i think about six maybe uh so my dad came home one time in the afternoon i didn't go to school that day because i was not feeling well uh he came home and uh he was planning a trip um a summer trip for my older siblings and i thought i was going to go on a trip too but he came home and was like oh no uh, He started with my older brother, the one who just comes before me. I was like, oh, they will go to, uh, they were going, they were playing a trip to Belgium. Well, they'll go to Belgium, the rest are not going to go. Apparently, I I don't know, maybe it was a legal issue and everything because I was younger. Maybe apparently at the age of maybe seven, they allow you to go. So when I heard that, because I was in the living room when he said it, when I heard that, all of a sudden my heart sank. I was like, whoa, Hmm. you know, why? You know, why not me? And everything. And, you know, that builds, that brings a, a lie. And then everything starts building up from there.
0: Yeah. Because when if you don't know who you are, mm-hmm. you don't have that confidence, especially in a confidence in a relationship yeah. and love, Mm-mm. that that is a breeding ground yeah. for lies.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's when I start resenting men. I was like, well, I don't trust you guys. Wow. I don't trust men at all. Yeah. And around that time already, as I'm struggling with uh, rejection and, um, and just not feeling wan- wanted by my dad. Uh, we were playing soccer with one of my cousin who came to visit on the street and everything. So back in the Congo, when you play on the street, like there's just neighbors and everything, yeah. like, you know, come and play together. And uh, we were playing with a lot of neighbor's kids and everything, some, some were older, you know. And uh, there was one time we were just uh, waiting because someone went to search uh, get the ball. I was just on the street, just waiting for the ball to come so we can play. And there was this older guy, older kid uh who was a neighbor and everything. I think he came up behind me and reached his hand and touched my genitals they yeah, just, they just do that and I didn't see him coming at all but and then i I jumped from the fact uh from that uh i I jumped from the and then i uh, I looked at him and he was laughing, and I felt pretty disgusted at the time and and went home and I was like, this guy is trash, and that also kind of brought. um, So it just
0: helped to reinforce those negative feelings towards men. Towards men, yes, because he was an older guy, Mm -hmm.
1: an older guy, and I kept questioning, like, why? Why do I get attraction? uh, Not attraction. Why do I get attention from men in that way? Although it's, that was the first time that happened. So
0: did you go home mm-hmm. and tell your mom?
1: No, I didn't tell anyone.
0: So as this little seven, eight-year-old boy, mm-hmm. you had to carry
1: this entire load yep. by yourself? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to oh. carry that by myself. That kind of opened the door and kind of reinforced a lot of the lies that I was believing already. And uh, Because some, you
0: weren't getting the attention yeah. that you that you really do legitimately needed. Mm-hmm. From your dad. Yes. And then all of a sudden, you get this attention from this older mm-hmm. boy, mm-hmm. but it's in the wrong way.
1: Yeah. It's in a very perverted way. And yeah, and that led me to experience sexually my first time sexually with uh, another boy. And I was young, about eight, maybe.
0: So not long after, no, real close.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're close in that, again, that again reinforced the lie. And then I go into middle school. Uh, it during detention. These bo I, I was uh, I was saved, but I, <laughs> I was very. I, I had a strong personality at that time. Yeah. So I I was always in in detention and everything. Me too. We're the same, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was always in detention. So I, I, like, with this group of friends and everything. So we always experiment together. We'll touch each other. and We'll you know. Uh, so. Yeah, it was just be boys, uh, we'll we'll be curious together and everything. And that, again, that reinforces the lie and everything. Mm. And that's, from then on, I start objectifying men instead of seeing them the way God sees them.
0: See, and I think that's why it's so important at a very young age Mm -hmm. to start reinforcing within the right, you know, age-appropriate, but reinforcing Mm -hmm. our principles as Christians Yeah. Um, towards sexuality mm-hmm. because you know so many times we just don't talk about it yeah you know and uh, you know that would have made a huge difference in mm-hmm. your life just to have somebody reinforce hey this is what's proper this is what's not proper yeah. and mm-hmm. so you go from that and then
1: yeah I go from that with more confusion and it just gets uh, reinforced again by my introduction to porn now
0: okay so how old were you when you when you begin to see porn
1: I was about 10, maybe. Really? 10 or 11. Yeah. Yeah, I was that young, yeah. Yeah, um, and I, w- I was introduced uh, with uh, by a friend of mine who brought a CD, had a pornographic picture on it. Hmm. And that stirred up curiosity in me. And I grew up in a, in a French country, and we had channels from Europe. And in Europe, they don't blur up nudity at all. Uh, I remember one time, I think I was just getting water at night, and the TV was still on, someone left the TV on and this channel went on and I think after midnight they put porn on yeah and I just went by the living room and it was playing and I got introduced to it and I was like huh wow and that just kept ge- getting reinforced and um I was still again I was still attra- at that time I was still attracted to girls and everything but I just objectified men and I still needed attention from them I still longed for attention from men Mm -hmm. uh to say it rightly i still i long for attention from a dad and everything um yeah it got reinforced i still objectify men i still dealt with rejection i still dealt with uh dealt with uh low self-esteem i still dealt with the fact that oh maybe my dad is not around because of me and um
0: so you started putting on yourself, there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really common. That's something that I've struggled with, too. Yeah. And I think a lot of our, our listeners, you know, and that's so hard. Yeah. Because a, there's something like I need to change. And then, mm-hmm. it, then then you
1: have to be something
0: that you're not in order to get, you know, people to love you. Exactly.
1: And mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a weight that I don't think anyone can bear to to carry. Yeah. So that was very heavy on me. and uh, And I also dealt with the shame of it. You know, yeah. uh, it's like, oh, this boy who loves going to church, uh, if people knew I was struggling with that, that wouldn't be good. Because it's like, again, the, like
0: the devil tempts you. The devil talks you into it. Mm-hmm. He brings you into sin. And then once you've sinned, yeah, he, he brings in the shame, the guilt, the condemnation. Exactly. And the hiding. Mm-hmm.
1: And again, uh, my culture is a culture where, okay, the way you carry yourself is important. So I will hide. Yeah. A lot of stuff that was going on inside of me and I would carry myself as this everything is alright with me and this wise man which again it's a gift that I think I do I do have it but at that time it was it was just a facade that I was putting on to hide what was going on in me yeah you know so I dealt with a lot of that I dealt with a lot of that uh, in middle school and going into high school and. And that got, again, the, the lie kept getting reinforced. And then I got, hmm. uh, I was given my first smart, smartphone. Yeah. <laughs> and that, again, just kept the door wide open. Hmm. Given my first smartphones, I just view, po- viewed porn for the first time on TV. And I get the smartphone and I'm still curious. I want to see more. Yeah. You know, I go to school. I experience with boys. I come home want to still I want to see more because there's a longing in me that I want to be fed fed, but I'm fitting in with some I'm fitting it with something wrong with something yeah. that's not good for me yeah you know so I get my uh, my first smartphone at around 12 Wow uh, curious boy. stealing with dealing with a lot of daddy issues not trusting men objectifying men and I go online uh, I stumble upon porn. I, I don't. I didn't stumble. I, <laughs> I was. You, you knew where it was. Yeah, I you, knew what I was knew. doing. It was there. You know? Yeah, I stumbled upon porn and I just stuck with it for a few months. And then the thing is with perversion is that it keeps you curious and you want to see more and more and more and more. Yeah. And then I still I still wasn't satisfied. Again, I was feeding my my longing with the wrong thing. You know. And um, I just. Kept getting curious, and I stumbled into gay porn, mm-hmm. and I got addicted to it. Wow, for years. So was
0: that that was kind of feeding part of mm-hmm. this. Acceptance? Yeah. Because a lot of times that's what people, Why reason why people look at porn mm-hmm. is that they do feel an acceptance. That's why a lot of people, you know, look at porn and get into porn because they do feel that acceptance mm-hmm. when they've been rejected because, you know, the, the plot lines of a lot of these stories mm-hmm. are acceptance beyond all reasonable expectations of yeah. anything, mm-hmm. you know. And so when you when you do that, it, you do have this false sense of, yeah of feeling that mm-hmm. and then so then you go from regular porn yeah. then you start getting into gay porn mm-hmm. and so the f- the condemnation that you were putting on yourself mm-hmm. had to have been huge especially coming out of your culture
1: oh yeah that was it was very heavy because the more i st- the more i fell into it the more i have to build up my facade for the people on the outside to see me to to keep you know Hmm. Seeing me the way they see me, you know. So I had to carry myself because I was struggling with uh, porn. I had to be very strict in the way I carry myself, just yeah. because I didn't want anyone to see through. And that was very heavy, and sometimes it was hard to keep with, it, to keep up with it. Yeah, yeah, you because know? again, I was feeding a longing with the wrong thing and um
0: well this would probably be a good spot that, that like if you're a parent mm. of a of a child um don't just hand them a smartphone <laughs> don't be that stupid it's it's like and I, and this is even me as yeah. as a youth pastor and when I would talk with parents mm-hmm. quite frequently and they would just hand their kid you know then it wasn't as much smartphones but yeah. it was the internet and not like you need to have filters yeah. You need to restrict some of these things because you could think your child is per you don't know how many yeah. great Christian kids mm. that love Jesus just like you, like you love the Lord even then mm-hmm. with all of your heart. Yeah, yeah. But there's this access that you had. Mm-hmm. And not saying that you can, you know, you you could put a lock on everything. Yeah. But do as much as you can. Yeah.
1: And I think just cuz for me again you can give a smartphone to someone who's sixteen if they still have any if they still have issues, yeah. underlining issues, it's still gonna manifest. I think it's making sure you're present in your kid's life engage look yeah.
0: at their stuff be mm-hmm. intrusive yeah. you know I, I think you know i don't know about you but i mean i, I had a mom that yeah if she would have like if they would have asked me some yeah. harder questions
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know it, make, make it make it difficult yeah like i told my kids like look you're you're gonna get the sin as much as you want to mm-hmm. but my job is going to be to make it as difficult for you yeah. as possible Mm-hmm. you know and that's okay as a yeah. parent I don't mm-hmm. care about their privacy that, that's, not, that's not my number one goal my number yeah. one goal is to not have them ingest poison and things right. that are going mm-hmm. to hurt them to be able to protect them even when they don't want to be protected
1: exactly. You know? exactly at this time I'm struggling with uh, a lot of uh, weight that I'm carrying and everything with uh, porn addiction and everything uh, attraction rejection and all uh, still objectifying men hard, mm-hmm. and uh, seeing viewing men as trash as some people who can't be trusted, and yeah, I start experimenting. And one thing I did actually, I was uh, my mom caught me trying on <laughs> women's clothes one time. Uh, it wasn't like oh, this is something I did a lot. I was just I was just experimenting, and then she. She caught she caught me and she was like, "Huh?" Uh, again, her reaction. That's what she knew what to do, mm-hmm. and uh, she she yelled <laughs> and everything, but in a loving way. I wasn't like, yeah, rejected by her at all. At all, she yelled, and then the next day she's like, "Hey, Caleb, the Lord made you as a boy," and and she gave me the biblical foundation yeah. for it. Uh, which is good parents we need to do that so she could she
0: knew she yeah. could sense these things that were going even though yeah. you weren't verbalizing talking mm-hmm. with them she she could feel some of these things yeah. and so she was able to step in
1: yeah she was able to st- again she was the mom and sometimes she also had to be the dad you know yeah so she was able to step in and she called out uh my identity that day i never and i, I never did it did it again since never did it again never wanted to do it again and because she called the next day she called it out and i was like oh wow See, and just thinking, especially
0: in this society right now where everything is, is anything and everything goes, mm-hmm. and especially when it comes to identity, mm-hmm. you know, and thank God that she was able to come in, especially yeah. early on, yeah. and, and give you your, your true identity. Mm-hmm.
1: You know? Yeah, yeah, she gave me my true identity, and she was always the, she's always the kind of woman who... She will yell out your identity in front of people. She doesn't care. <laughs> like, she used to, like, when we have dinner, she'll look at me and she'll be like, You are so handsome. Mm. Like, stuff like that. And she'll look at my brother and be like, Oh my God, look at that. Look at him. Like, she will, like, call out what she sees in us and she'll, like, yell at our destinies. And she'll be like, Oh, you guys will be great men wow. in this life. So, that's the kind of environment that I grew up with. Hmm. and everything so when she caught me that day the next morning I think maybe after she prayed she was like hey this is the biblical foundation God sees you as a man Wow! and you were, you were created a man and everything and never wanted to do the same uh, again never wanted to do it again because that I think, I think that settled something in me hmm. um, and yeah.
0: so from the time you were 12 mm-hmm. so how long did this addiction and all of these things continue to manifest
1: uh, it kept going until
0: twenty twenty really mm-hmm. so just a couple of years ago, yeah,
1: so what was the turning point? Well, <laughs> uh, the turning point was I was tired of keeping up the facade mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i'm i 'm a pretty amazing guy, and I know that i 'm not saying from a uh, uh, from a prideful heart i 'm just saying because i know i'm 'm amazing because God is amazing and i 'm his son um uh, I was just tired of just keeping up the facade because people thought of me as amazing. And they're like, oh, you're amazing. You're not dealing with that. And I was just tired of like, okay, I have to keep up with this every time. Yeah. And the turning point was one day uh, I was rostered to, uh, to lead and I was leading and I got home. To lead worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got home. After church, I was tired and everything because you have to be at church pretty early. So I was tired. So I was about to take a nap. I'm watching this movie that was not Christian. And there was this sex scene and everything and that pulled me back into it. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I just came from serving God. And mind you, all th- th- throughout the... Uh, addiction i was part of the worship team serving God at church was pretty much involved in church and being used by god at the yeah. same time mm-hmm. and the anointing was there yeah and everything and i loved serving and i loved being in church and everything and when that happened i was like i'm tired i'm tired of this i'm tired of all this and covid um and that kept going for a few months and then uh covid hit and i was like lord I don't have the church. They, when everyone was home. I was like, I don't have the church. I don't have to be a church. It's just you and me in my room. I'm tired of this. What's going on? Tell me what's going on because this is just a symptom of something. Yeah. And I asked the lawyer. I said, so you recognize that mm-hmm. the,
0: that the porn use was a symptom
1: of yeah. something else that was deeper. Mm-hmm. Okay. I because I, I was very I, will, I, I isolate myself. It was hard for me to make friends with men, mm. and I started recognizing those patterns. I was like, why? You
0: know, well, see, there's a lot of guys out there, a lot of mm-hmm. Christian men, that just think, well, if I would just quit looking at, it, like, if mm-hmm. I could put a filter on, or if I could get, you know, yeah. just like, like that, like looking a porn, mm-hmm. like that's the problem. Yeah, that's n- almost never the problem. No, it's not. It's 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 having this emptiness. It's having these other things mm-hmm. inside that you're trying to cover up. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And so
1: you ask the Lord, how do I fix this? Mm-hmm. Well, I ask the Lord, how do I fix this? The Lord just said. And I I, I actually asked the said, you can come and break me, do whatever you want, but I need to know what's going on. Yeah. And I gave permission uh, to the Lord to come and just do whatever he wanted to do. And then one day I was just driving home. I just took a drive, again, during COVID. No one was doing anything. I just wanted to get out of the Mm -hmm. house. So I went for a drive and I put on this uh, song. Uh, It's called Come to the River. And during the song, all of a sudden, I started crying. I started crying, bawling in my car. Uh, I started crying, and that was that was very powerful because at that time I wasn't very emotional. I was very closed off, and I started crying. And then all of a sudden, I hear the Lord say, "You have longed for a dad for a long time, mm-hmm. and you never had the attention that you wanted. So the lie crept in. The lies of the enemy crept in, yeah. and you built on, you built on it." And I was like, all right, so this is the foundation. This is where the the cracks of the foundation is. So I need to, uh, to heal this. And that time I started spending a lot of time with the Lord, reading a lot of like the Bible, mm-hmm. a lot. And I had the courage. I have in, I had enough courage to open up to my friends because I had made a group, a good group of friends, uh, men. And I opened up to them. I was like, Hey, I'm struggling with porn. Um, uh, I didn't tell, but I didn't go into detail. I'm, I didn't go into detail. The fact that I was struggling with gay porn, no, I, was, I was struggling with porn and I didn't help and I don't want it, you know? And we've just built a rela- built a relationship there and we start build uh, building a community together and we're holding each other accountable. Yeah. But the Lord already revealed, this is what you're longing. You're longing for connection. You're longing for men to actually... Uh, Call out the identity in you, and uh, I was like, "Okay, Lord, how can I? How can I do it?" And everything it was like, "Just be, you know, uh, be open, spend time with me, be vulnerable." I'm uh, that's why that's when I start learning to be vulnerable with the Lord and
0: just be in you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what's really hard, especially for a lot of men, is yeah. that we we have this idea of what a man should look mm-hmm. like and be, and I think part of that key of unlocking who we are is to really embrace yeah. that part of us of who we are mm-hmm. instead of who we think we should be.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, I yeah, I just start embracing it. I was like, okay, I'm emotional, and I embrace it. Mm-hmm. I'm not broken because I feel a lot of feelings sometimes. That's yeah. who I am. You know? know,
0: sometimes as Christians we make, a I think, like, make a bigger deal like oh it's gay porn mm-hmm. it's it's that it's you know like that is is worse than regular mm-hmm. porn and stuff like that and really what we have to understand is that it is a symptom of kind of things that are going on and broken right. and it's not necessarily worse or better mm-hmm. and it's something that even now that the companies are trying to target yeah like if you start looking at some of the um The way, and I just read this article the other day on the way that um, these big porn companies are actually starting to target people is that Mm -hmm. they put things in their feed that are one step Mm -hmm. further. Than yeah. what you normally look for, because what they're finding is is that people are starting to lose interest mm-hmm. in like the regular stuff, and so that they they want to put things in front of you yeah. that are deeper and deeper. Like they they they, preci- they specifically want to feed addiction. Oh yeah, and they're using science behind keeping America addicted mm-hmm. to this thing. Oh yeah, and uh, you know as Christians we can't sit here and go oh that's so horrible or that's mm. so awful yeah. is that we are going to see and we're already seeing at least in this environment that does mm. embrace op- honesty and openness yeah. this is actually a very common story yeah that that we're hearing with men and with women mm-hmm. and so we kind of have to set that to the side and embrace this as what it really is yeah
1: yeah um I think a lot of the shame was also came from the fact that it, again, gay porn. Yeah, you know, because I can just say, yeah, I'm dealing with porn. Like, oh, every guy deal Every guy has that problem, mm-hmm. you know. But if you go into the gay porn, that's when I'm like, ooh, that's know? a line. Yeah, but the Lord looks at it the same. The same. The foot of the cross is leveled. Yeah, you know.
0: And we want to make a bigger deal out of it than it
1: is. Mm-hmm. But that's another level of shame. Yeah, that is heaped on. Mm-hmm. That's another level of shame. And yeah, uh, that time the Lord just kept doing a lot of work, a lot of work in me where I was very vulnerable with the Lord. I was like, Lord, I'm, I started to be very honest with God and be like, hey, I don't feel loved right now, you know, just in stuff like that. And the Lord will meet me in there. Can you, you just, describe that a little bit? What does that look like? I just journaling. I, that's when I started journaling. journal. Really? Yeah. I started journaling in 2020. I will just, like, if you read my journal, you wouldn't think that's a journal of a, of a Christian, but that's when the beautiful exchange happened, you know, where I come with the Lord. The Lord already knows what I'm dealing with, so why hide? So,
0: in your journaling process, were mm-hmm. you just putting these raw emotions into it? Yeah. And just saying, hey, this is this is where I'm at?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll just say, Lord, this is where I'm at right now. I don't feel loved and I want to watch porn mm and and I just feel the presence of God come and and I would just spend time reading my Bible and my identity in God will be uh strengthened strengthened, so did
0: you start opening up to relationships with with men at this time mm-hmm. at that time that's
1: when I started opening up with uh opening up with relationship with men.
0: So, and I think that's important to kind of notice is that that we can be so closed off Mm -hmm. to relationship that we actually repel people from us and we actually feed into that rejection that we're experiencing.
1: Mm. Yeah, because I've always always felt that uh, I had to perform to keep men around me, to be friends with me, you know? And I remember uh, my group of friends in New Jersey, Uh, because we were all youth leaders and everything Uh, I used to be the quietest person in the room like we'll hang out and I won't say a word Mm. you know and because I thought if I speak because of my accent because of all that blah 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 and all that they wouldn't want to hang out with me anymore this
0: beautiful accent that (laughs) I love
1: (laughs) wow Um, the enemy has ways of like bringing you down and everything that is so funny yeah so, I will keep them at uh, at a distance. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And you kind of, it's kind of like that porcupine effect. Mm-hmm. Like when we feel rejected, when we feel hurt and abandoned, we, yeah. we kind of go into the corner and we kind of like, don't touch me. Yeah. But on the inside, you are so longing for connection and yeah. relationship. Mm-hmm. And people look at you going, eh, I don't want to touch that guy. Yeah. I don't yeah.
1: want to, I don't want to be, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that change when, um, When I told my friend, hey, I'm dealing with porn, they looked at me, they was like, we love you. Oh, We love you and everything. And that didn't change the way they see me. In fact, I invited them them into an aspect of my heart that no one has been in. So they didn't gasp,
0: they didn't go grab the pitchfork, they didn't kick you off the worship team or the youth team, Um, they embraced you where you're at. Yeah, they
1: embraced me where I was. That is so important. Yeah, and they were very proud. And everything of the fact that I actually opened up and trusted them. Well, see,
0: I I, I was part of a denomination mm-hmm. where if if a minister was caught looking at porn, that they were putting to an automatic two year suspension. Yeah. And I remember talking with one of the the He was a newer district official, mm-hmm. and I said, "Is this? Do you guys still do this?" And he goes, "Unwritten rule, no." He goes, if we do this, we wouldn't have ministers in the pulpit. Wow. He goes, we have to address because we can't continue to mm-hmm. do this punishment-based thing because it does not restore and heal. It yeah. just makes people hide. Exactly. So you were in an environment with friends that you felt safe enough to be able to expose your, yeah. your sin and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And did you expect them to, to react differently or did you expect them to handle it with the love that they showed?
1: I didn't. I didn't have any expectation going into it. Actually, that's good because I was like, "Well, whatever happens, anyway." When you know, lockdown, so we're not going to see each other. Because <laughs> uh, the the, the wait was. I hear the voice of the Lord. I'm a very, I'm very, I'm very prophetic. Yeah. So at that time we went. We just went. We just came from a retreat like a couple months before, and I just gave a, gave publicly my first prophetic word. Wow. And that really wrecked my best friend. And I, yeah, the word was for his family and everything. And so that kind of put a stigma over me, which is also something that I'm very careful, uh, especially when I give out words. It's mm-hmm. like people know you as, oh, he's the person who hears the Lord and everything.
0: Well, and so I mean, just kind of define that for mm-hmm. some of our new podcast listeners yeah. is like we come we're in an environment where we believe that God still speaks to us mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. and that he can actually speak to like God loves us yeah. and he loves the person that we minister to mm-hmm. so much that he will actually speak through us yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, that Caleb, you know, the Lord uses Caleb in. Um, uh, quite quite often. Yeah. And uh you know, it's it's to encourage, it's to uplift. It doesn't replace the word of God. It doesn't yeah. replace mm-hmm. you know the Bible. Yeah. But it's meant to encourage, edify and uplift. Yeah. And like like that's one of the that's one of your main giftings mm-hmm. is just to encourage. Yeah. And edify. You do such a good job of that.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. But yeah, that's one of the main cuz I had it since a young age. I, yeah. will, I have a very high discernment. Like, even my mom knew, my mom sometimes would ask me a question, Hey, uh, how do you feel about this? You know? Oh, neat. Because I'm, I'm a dreamer too. So mm-hmm. I dream, the Lord speaks to me in dreams and everything. So I was known as that. And also, I spent a lot of time reading my Bible. So I had Bible knowledge too. Yeah. So I was known as that. So that stigma over me was like, Oh, he's very spiritual. Mm-hmm. So if he open, up, uh, my, my thought was, my fear was like, if I open up about this, all that will come crumbling down mm. and everything. But I kind of op- it's like I opened the door and I, I was vulnerable with them, and we ended up creating this accountability group. Yeah, and we were holding each other accountable uh, in purity, in sexual morality, and everything, just to walk together as brothers. And instead of and and calling each other higher and everything, so uh, I felt love when I opened up to them.
0: So you're so first. So first, you're journaling. Mm-hmm. And then you were honest and open with some friends. Yeah, and the, were those the two main things that helped bring the healing? Uh,
1: those was a, those were a pathway to okay. actually go into the the heart of what was going on. Okay, uh, because th- that opened up a way for me to be that opened up a door for me to be open minded with what the Lord was, was going to do with me. Uh, so. Yeah, I opened up to them, and I started journaling, spending time, a lot of time, learning about uh, my identity and everything. Uh, and then I didn't know I was at that time. I was struggling. I was struggling with um, orphan spirit hmm. because I never felt like a son. You yeah. know, you know when you don't, like especially boys, when you don't have a dad in your life, you don't feel like a son. You feel like an orphan. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're fatherless. So I didn't know I was dealing with that because I will come to the Lord with fear and trembling, and I have this polished prayer to get something from Him. Yeah. You know, didn't know what it means to be a son, and uh, and I didn't learn that until I moved here, at Reading. Uh, that that I was struggling with that because at that time, uh, the Lord was w- walking with me in in the healing process of porn addiction and everything. And then it was, I think, a six months process in that way. I was journaling, spending time, talking to uh, friends, and everything.
0: Now, just be clear: the the porn addiction that didn't just disappear overnight. Oh no, it did not. This is a process. It and is it's a, process. a messy process, mm-hmm. and it's a process of success and failure. Yes, of back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe explain that a little bit. How how was that working that process out?
1: Um, it's. Being honest with yourself. Mm. I think for me I had to, I had to be honest with myself. Yeah. Uh, so I had to know, okay, if I go this way, it's not gonna end good. Mm-hmm. So I had to put safeguards around myself. Where okay, after a certain uh, a certain move certain movies I won't watch. Yeah. I won't watch certain uh, application I'm not going to have anymore like twitter I'm not going to have twitter I'm not going to have snapchat and everything just being very strict with me and also being very vulnerable with my friend and be like hey if I mess up I tell them hey I messed up mm-hmm. you know just having that accountability with them and journaling uh, you'll be surprised how much when you're honest with the lord how much it shifts i remember one time i was disclosive doing it and then i just said holy spirit i need your help because mm-hmm. I have an urge, but I can't get I can't I can't, you know. Yeah. I can't do anything about it. And in a second that shifted. Wow. You know? So that was for me, that was that. And it's
0: having a lot of grace for yourself. Yes. Because the last thing you want to do, because the enemy is a father of lies mm-hmm. and his like his thing is condemnation. Oh yeah. And he just spews that. Mm-hmm. And if we partner with that. Yeah you know and we will start to partner with the identity that he wants to give us mm-hmm. and a lot of it is even if you're messing up even if you're struggling with yeah. it stay focused on your identity and your sonship of who
1: you've been created to be exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's very important it's very especially on your journey for uh, for healing it's very important so yeah for me that 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 was just the symptom you know again that was just dealing with the symptoms and everything so yeah the Lord tells me to move to writing. that's when the st- the real work started really because mm-hmm. now I it was dealing with the symptom. Uh, he was just dealing with the symptom and learning to be vulnerable and I get to writing, the Lord started going up to unforgiveness because mm. I had resentment for my dad Yeah. I had resentment towards men I had resentment towards my family my dad's side of the family because he wasn't around and they didn't do anything about it hmm. so I had resentment towards a lot of people and that also was a door an open door you know for me to stay in that state yeah. and because I had resentment resentment towards my dad I had resentment towards God the Father because hmm. I, I will when I, in my relationship I will always have a relationship with Jesus Holy Spirit but never had a relationship with the father Wow so I moved to Reading, January 2022. Uh, in 20 in 2021, I was um, I was in school. I was just finishing school, still uh, having that uh, those friends and everything. But the Lord had told me to move to Reading 2020. So I moved in 2022. Um, I go to my first social appointment. Uh, in my first social appointment, my counselor says, "Huh, I see you talk to Jesus a lot." Okay, well
0: let's or? let's pause on that and explain yeah. what is sozo. Yes. So sozo is a Greek word mm-hmm. for healed, saved and delivered. Mm-hmm. And um, sozo is an inner healing ministry mm-hmm. that they have here at um, the Transformation Center in yeah. Reading which is part of of Bethel. Bethel. Yeah. And it really works. It's a it's kind of a counseling hybrid yeah. where you focus on the Holy Spirit revealing things to you mm-hmm. and just walking through. And a lot of times in these types of, of, of appointment or these uh, SOZOs, the Lord will bring up things that you didn't yeah. even know that were there. Mm-hmm. And you'll begin to uncover and, and dig through. And somebody really because um, people are like well can't i just do that at home well it's really unique to be able to do it and yeah. you could do these online and i highly recommend anybody listening like if you're struggling with something that is years mm-hmm. and years of trauma um years of of trying to deal with it and it's you're not getting yeah. anywhere um if you can't fly to Reading and go to a conference or fly out here and do a sozo online yeah and they are just as powerful online yeah. as they are anywhere else mm-hmm. okay so you go in for the sozo.
1: Yeah, I go in for the sozo, and my counselor says, "Where is God the Father?" I'm like, "What do you mean?" I'm, the Holy Spirit is revealing to me. He said, "That's not what I'm saying." And and then he walks me through. It uh, uh, walks me through a, a sozo moment where he I asks, uh, he he says, "Okay, I want you to ask God Father, uh, Father, where are you?" And I do that, and all of a sudden, there's a block. I was like, okay. And then he says, ask why. And then I asked why. I realized I was mad at God the Father because I was mad at my earthly dad. Yeah. You know? And then he walks me through forgiveness, so I had to forgive my dad that day. hmm And I started seeing my dad the way God sees him, and all of a sudden, my relationship with God the Father was restored that day. Wow. And he started going after the orphan spirit because again, I never felt as a as a, I never felt like a son. I always felt like that like an orphan, hmm. and then that's when the healing started like deep healing. it started where I will find myself in my room crying, uh here in reading crying because i the the stuff that the Lord was bringing up not uh not in a way to hurt me but because he wanted to replace it with himself, yeah and yeah, healing started. That's when the healing started. Again, that time I was still dealing with uh, temptation. Uh, it wasn't, I, I wasn't addicted to it. It would just pop up like once every three months, mm-hmm. something like that. I was still dealing with uh, trying not to objectify men. I was still dealing with uh, learning to trust men. I was still dealing with same-sex attraction. And the Lord was just meeting with me with grace, in every, and with grace and mercy and patience and um, and again you you've
0: never acted on never. these things you've never been in a relationship for mm-hmm. with a man you've never had an encounter that other than the the ones early yeah. on they were kind of forced into yeah into you so it's more of just dealing with those temptations yeah
1: yeah you know? and the temptation again doesn't temptation is not seen I just want to make sure that it's yeah that's what i want to cover mm-hmm. yeah but i was i never acted on it because i always had a reverence for marriage Mm-hmm. I always knew marriage is something the Lord created and it's holy don't don't go near it uh, don't don't go don't pervert it mm-hmm. so I always knew I always knew that I'm called to be husband Yeah, I'm called to be married to a woman and I, I was still attracted to women I always knew and I will pray into the future and and the Lord and I think the Lord kept me from going any uh, further than Mm -hmm. other than that.
0: But I I really do feel like there is almost like a demonic assignment Mm -hmm. that is on these younger generations for this because I, I, I can't stress this enough like this is not unique to Caleb and this is something that's coming up more and more and I really applaud people like Caleb uh, for being able to stand up and say, Hey, let's let's be honest about mm-hmm. this and let's talk about oh, this. Yeah. You know? And I think that's the same thing. Like like the enemy wants to come in and pervert anything mm-hmm. that that he does that, yeah. that we do. And so we need to not focus on, oh, this is gross or this yeah. is wrong. And like we need to focus on God has something better. Yeah. For me. Mm-hmm.
1: And he does. And it's much better than you think. And yeah, the Lord just started meeting with me in that. And uh, and then one day I just asked, I, I was going into BSSM. I just asked, I said, Lord, one thing I ask that you would just restore fatherhood in my life. Mm. And then he brings me in first year. And <laughs> that was the most healing year for me. Really? Where I started feeling like, like a son.
0: So what changed?
1: The orphan spirit was broken off me. Okay. Where I didn't feel like I had to beg God for something or perform for him to get his attention. I knew I already had his attention. And I could be honest coming to God and be like, hey, what I'm feeling right now sucks. And not feel like, oh, I offended him. He's mm-hmm. not going to bless me or anything like that. And I will come with the confidence, I am your son. Yeah. And I'm having a conversation with my dad, you know? And the Lord restored, and He introduced me to fathers, you know, like you, mm-hmm. Tracy, and everything. Um, and the Lord just restored uh, the sonship in me, where I will walk around with the confidence I am a son, not just of, I'm a son of God, but I'm also a son of this house. Mm-hmm. And I, in the in that confidence, removed a lot of uh, a bag- baggages that I was carrying. Yeah. And every time the temptation would come, i would say, "Okay, Dad." You are, you are the dad. You take care of this. Mm, you good. know, and
0: and I think he also brought and this is something I want to point out. And this is you know, I, I, we're going to come back and I, yeah. I think pretty sure that we're going to have to do a, a, a whole podcast yeah. just on the orphan spirit because that's yeah. been our our our, our commonality to mm-hmm. growing up is that you know you wanted. That father figure in your life, but the Lord brought it in when you were actually ready in a a place to Mm -hmm. be able to handle that in a healthy way. Yeah. You know, because you can get into the wrong relationships, you know, and sometimes we're we're frustrated by Mm -hmm. God saying, Well, God, why don't you bring me this? Yeah. And the Lord's saying, Well, I've actually protected you by not bringing a person in because I want to be your father. Yeah. You know, I want to be able to do that. Or Mm -hmm. he's prevented the devil. yeah, Because, you know, thinking back to those early years, that if the wrong person being brought into your life Mm -hmm. could have been just devastating. Oh, yeah. If you would have had an older, almost like predator type person Mm -hmm. that were to come in, especially at a younger age. Yeah. You know, and this is where sometimes we don't get what we pray for yeah you know kind of quote the great evangelist garth brooks <laughs> thank god for unanswered prayers yeah
1: mm-hmm. and the, the lord did that because uh like even looking back sometimes when someone of significance comes into my life i will as a man i will um i will be in a good relationship with them but i will idolize them sometimes mm-hmm. so i think that during those years the lord uh, built the foundation that I am your father first, before all of them. Yeah, and when uh, he restored fatherhood by bringing fathers around me, I realized, oh, I can actually be a son. Mm-hmm. My confidence starts with the fact that I'm his son first, and a- around all these fathers, I'm also a son. Wow. And uh, he he restored that, and
0: walking in that with confidence. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes that orphan spirit will make us feel like we're not worthy, that oh, yeah. we're not any of these other things. But coming into a realization mm-hmm. that I am worthy and oh, yeah. understanding the worth,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. And all of a sudden, I started acting like a son. Mm-hmm. I started like even in school, I started acting like a son. I knew, oh, I know I'm Tracy's son. I know I'm Chris's son. Mm-hmm. You know, because that that God built that foundation again mm-hmm. and everything, and. um and then and then one one major thing the Lord did it was like, "Oh, Caleb, your biggest place of pain will be your biggest place of influence absolutely And I was, because I never wanted to be a pastor, I never wanted to be a dad uh, a dad to someone mm-hmm. because i I, don't, I didn't know what that looked like. and then he just came, and i uh I remember the first time uh, I met uh our pastor Tracy, and he hugged me. It's like something in my spirit leapt. Yeah, I knew the anointing he carried was something I carried too. Mm-hmm. But still, I still didn't want it, and everything. And then during that first year, the Lord just worked in worked in me. Yeah, and I started falling in love with the calling. I started falling in love with what I had, and all of a sudden, I was just being a father to people. I didn't know I was. <laughs> yeah, and the Lord just built that and everything, and He dealt with, and when He dealt with the uh, the root. All the symptoms start mm-hmm. like disappearing. Yeah. The Lord came and met me in that area and restored fatherhood, restored sonship, and took care of the orphan spirit. And here I am today, seeing at a table and being confident that I have a son and I'm called to be a father.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's, it's, you know, I think you need to look at it too is that you are 26 years old. Mm-hmm. And but you are a father, yeah. like you have no kids yet, no, no, not yet. no, no earthly children. Yeah. Um. But just the way that you you walk through, and not just with the younger guys, mm. um. But within our in our RG in our group, uh, they call mm. them revival groups. You mm. know, it's a group of about sixty. Yeah. Um. You know, Caleb was actually nominated. For the, uh, they call it the Earl Johnson Award. Yeah. And it's it's by the people that are in the group. And they saw that. And I know that that's why he Mm -hmm. was nominated, because he carries this loving thing. And we are coming into um, a season where I think we're going to see the repercussions Mm -hmm. of a fatherless and orphan generation. Yeah. Is that, uh, you know, we need more men Mm -hmm. like Caleb. (laughs) <laughs> we need lots more men that are willing to stand in that gap and who recognize that early on yeah. is that I'm called to, to really, because we're, we're not called to get people saved. Mm-hmm. The Great Commission, is it doesn't say go therefore and save everyone, yeah. but it says go for and make disciples. Mm-hmm. And that is the one thing that caleb carries mm-hmm. it's like just be around him for five minutes and you're like whatever <laughs> this guy has i want i want to
1: be like that and let's figure <laughs> this out yeah the yeah the lord has he's transformed me where i remember graduation day i kept asking myself what the heck am i because mm-hmm. i didn't recognize the person I was. yeah you know it wasn't normal for me to come into my prayer closet and say well dad i'm here no. you know it wasn't normal for me to have vision of me sitting with the dad with my with you know God mm-hmm. the Father and just enjoying his presence. Yeah. And and that changed my perspective and I remember the first time I saw my dad after the first year my earthly dad. Mm-hmm. I remember sitting there looking at him. And I was like that's God's son too. Mm-hmm. You know, the the resentment and everything was just all gone. You know? And yeah, sometimes the lies pops up and everything, and I still do the process of, okay, God, which what's the lie and what's the truth, mm-hmm. you know, and work that out with God.
0: Well, one but, of my favorite quotes is by Steve Backlund, mm-hmm. and is Backlund says that, that, that don't pray and ask God what to do. Mm-hmm. Pray and ask God what to believe. Exactly. Because that is so transformative when you have the right beliefs about yourself, but you yeah. also have them about the other person. Yeah. To be able to sit there and go, that is God's son. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's been easier for me to forgive my dad in a lot of areas. Yeah. Forgive my family in a lot of areas. Forgive myself.
0: Yeah. You know? Because unforgiveness really is, uh, we should do an episode on on that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, unforgiveness (laughs) really is an open door. Mm Mm-hmm to the enemy. Like when you have unforgiveness in Mm -hmm. your life, you're actually opening the door and saying, Enemy, you could come in and have access into my life. Mm -hmm. You know, we we go back to uh, Matthew eighteen, the 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 unmerciful servant Mm -hmm. is that it says that he was tormented because of the unforgiveness in his life. Yeah and so many times we just allow unforgiveness to sit around kind of like it's just some weird pet that we just oh, we, yeah. know, we don't really like it but we know we gotta keep it cause <laughs>
1: yeah. you know and it's letting go of that mm-hmm. letting go of that and the shift was just like it was amazing to see how when you realize how the devil has been robbing you of your identity this mm-hmm. long and you get this holy anger yeah. against the devil it's like you yeah, you know? and and that kind of stirred something in me where I was like, "All right, you came after me. Watch me coming after the people that you coming going after." Yeah, and everyone I see, I was like, "Oh, they need a father. I'm going to be that."
0: Yeah, yeah. And then you, you, it's kind of like, but when you step into that father role, mm-hmm. fathers protect, mm-hmm. and you get really mad at the devil. Oh yeah, I get re- real. Just want to smack the crap out of them and <laughs> protect those that you yeah. love. And, and so.
1: those lies really robbed me a lot. And when the Lord came with the truth and yeah. the, the mercy of just his love and everything. See, I even go back
0: to the early days. Like, you and I connected early, and so mm-hmm. we've kind of been on this journey. Like, we've known each other yeah. since day one. Mm-hmm. And while you've always carried joy, mm-hmm. some of the joy was a little bit superficial. Yeah. But now, as I sit here, you know, a year mm-hmm. into our relationship and stuff like that, I'm like, you know, the depth. Mm-hmm. Of, of like this joy isn't just as something that you put on on the outside. Oh, yeah. It is not just a smile that doesn't <laughs> you know, doesn't reflect. It's like mm-hmm. now it's like this is something that comes from his heart and who he is. yeah so yeah. in in closing, mm. if you were to be able to talk to somebody that is going through the same thing that you're going through,
1: what would you say to them? You are a son you are a daughter, you are not alone in this. And there's a father who's waiting for you actually to invite him into that. And he's planned out a beautiful journey where he reveals to you how much he loves you and reveals to you your identity in him. And uh, yeah, I'm sorry for for what you're dealing with and the weight that you may be carrying it's too heavy for you to carry and God is waiting for you to give him that weight you're not alone in that yeah
0: it's beautiful yeah. it's beautiful well thank you Caleb thank you for your honesty we should yeah. do this again we should do this like again like 8 or 9 maybe 10 more times or more or more <laughs> so uh, thank you for listening and uh, well make sure you uh, tune in next week love you guys love you Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. Please like, subscribe, and share with your friends. And follow us on social media. And never forget, you're not alone.